Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. My name is Nick. Coming up in this episode, we are going to look at the cards and find out about our ultimate fate. So for myself, I'm a predictive tarot reader. I'm happy to look at what is likely to happen if you, say, keep going on the track that you're on. And here's what's likely to happen if you choose what's behind door A, what's behind door B, or behind door C. If you're not part of that, or if that doesn't speak your language, or if it's not the teacher that you're meant to be taught through, then of course it can sound ridiculous. But we want to know, I think, that we're not alone, that we're guided and protected, that there's hope, and that we have something to live for, and that we want to be clued in. But Kurt Russell's going to have way better stories no, he is not. No, he is not. Kurt Russell does not have better stories than Jesus. Because if anything else, you could find out like, hey, man, all this stuff they said about you, did that happen? Well, he was he was like up against a wall near the bar making ice cream or, or popcorn. I, I forget exactly what it was. What, he was what making- do you mean? There's a huge difference between ice cream and popcorn. There were a few beers involved. I don't exactly remember what he was making. I don't care how many beers that you have. If it's under 50, you should be able to tell the difference between ice cream and popcorn. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. It really helps us out. We really appreciate it. Something that I have always been fascinated by is the idea of fate. Are we born and everything is basically written out for us? Like if you could check the big book of you, would it have a sentence or a paragraph there for March 22nd, 2020, and you would be doing exactly what is written down there? Are we born and then there's this general path and maybe we diverge or go different directions on it, but we still basically have this destiny? Or are we just born and whatever happens is whatever happens and nobody has a clue? I think that's something... That isn't just of interest to me. I think we all have that basic universal question of what am I doing? Like, is there something that I'm supposed to be doing here and am I doing that thing? Our first guest is somebody that tries to answer that question. This is Ethany Dawn. She's a tarot reader. She's a witch. And she is someone who essentially deals in fate. What is the path that is in front of you? What, what exactly is tarot? 
So tarot is a, well, it started out as a morphing and a change of a card game called Tarocci in Italy. And it has now become (laughs) this incredible tool of 78 cards that you can use for a myriad of different things. But it really has become this beautiful transformational tool from a card game in Europe in the 1800s and then it moved into this more esoteric, magical thing and now it is very mainstream, which we're very lucky for. But it is 78 cards depicting what I like to call the book of life. So it is a representation of our big themes and our little themes and the people in our lives. Am I pronouncing that incorrectly? It's tarot, it's not tarot? I have heard it tarot, I've heard it tarot, I've heard tarot, like carrot. So I say tarot, um, and and most people I know say tarot, but um, I don't like to be the pronunciation police because, I don't know, I say all sorts of things weirdly. So for somebody who doesn't know very much about it, the thing that I've always kind of looked at it as, is it predicting the future or what are you, what are you doing with it? So that's a really good question. It's really dependent on the person who's using the tool. So the tarot is literally like a, a tool. It's a screwdriver, hammer, it's a car, whatever tool you use. And it depends on the reader. So for myself, I'm a predictive tarot reader. I'm happy to look at what is likely to happen if you, say, keep going on the track that you're on. And here's what's likely to happen if you choose what's behind door A, what's behind door B, or behind door C. I'm very comfortable reading that way. That's how I was trained. I will also read, however to help you with career coaching because my background is in corporate HR. I will help you problem solve. I will do path working. I will do past life regression. I'll do coaching with you. I'll use it for writing. Some people will only do coaching sessions or supportive tarot readings where it's more about uncovering what's really going on for a person and getting at the root cause of maybe why their relationships are always so difficult at a certain point or why they're attracting the same people or why they can't seem to get that promotion. What's the block with them? Uh, So it's really about what reader you're going to versus and how they read the cards versus the actual cards holding the power themselves. Because, yeah, the symbols will tell you different things. That's what I was just going to ask. So it's not like you get this card and this card always means this thing. It's more you interpreting it. Well, really, it does have a blueprint. So the tarot, if you are a tarot reader, you should learn how to read the cards. And they do mean something that is a tradition that has been passed down since the early 1900s when it really became very mainstream. Um, Well, not very mainstream, but it was started to be printed, the the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, which is the most enduring uh, tarot deck we have. Uh, So death say the death card which is a massive taboo card does mean change it does mean transformation it does mean the end of something you can't really you can't really distort death all that much now can you no no it Um, kind of you kind of (laughs) that can only mean so many things right exactly so they do mean something but remember you've also got context so if you are trying to and if you're in a job and you get the death card well it's like well maybe 
that job is over, but it could be it's over because you get a promotion. Yeah, so it can be interpreted in many different ways, I guess. And that's why context is so important and the skill of the reader is so important because if you've got someone who doesn't quite know what they're doing with all these huge archetypal energies, then yeah, it could be, it can be a bit of an interesting experience. How did you get, how did you get into it? So I found tarot through witchcraft actually. So it was, uh, I was 15 and I started working at my first metaphysical store in, in Australia. And the first thing I bought with my first paycheck was a tarot deck and that was it. That was it for me. I found like the thing that spoke my language, the tool that opened me up. It allowed me to access parts of myself that I couldn't quite put into words. And I'm a writer. So that was like a brilliant for me. And, uh, but it was through the craft. It was through, um, through witchcraft that I found tarot and that came first. And then tarot came second, very closely behind. And it's been that way for over 20 years now in terms of the witchcraft then aspect of it how did you get into that i was always like a, a fairy child as my my mother would say i was always like running around climbing trees and like seeing fairies and i saw spirit from a very young age and um i felt like it was and this was like pre-harry potter i did not have harry potter like a lot of kids do these days my gosh if i had harry potter that would have been amazing I would be like take me to Hogwarts um <laughs> but uh, I I loved nature and I always loved anything magical and I gave myself my name when I was 11 I was Ethany the Good Witch and I wanted to be Glinda from the Wizard of Oz because who doesn't want to rock a bubble like that mm-hmm. that dress and uh, and I felt it was just a really natural move. I just found a book in my library about that witches weren't these evil things and and wizards and witches and all those sorts of amazing archetypes. There could be something different. And there's this nature-based religion called Wicca, and this is what it's about. And it was like the light went on. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm home. Like, this is exactly how I feel you know, nature is a sacred thing and we should be treating it with the same respect that we do ourselves, you know, take care of nature, take care of ourselves um, and honour and be in rhythm with nature and the cycles of the moon and the sun and the seasons and respect life. And then I was like, oh, that was it. I, I found home. I go back and forth because on one hand, it sounds ridiculous. And then on another hand, it doesn't sound any more ridiculous than any other kind of religion or spirituality thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Because any, I mean, if you look at any creation myth or any religious belief, if you're not part of that or if that doesn't speak your language or if it's not the teacher that you're meant to be taught through, then of course it can sound ridiculous. and Or of course it doesn't sound like that makes sense for you because it doesn't make sense for you. And it shouldn't make sense for you because we don't all like the same things or speak the same languages or resonate to the same things. And that's one of the things I really like about paganism and Wicca is we're not here to, to say, come and join us. Otherwise, you know, you're not saved or whatever it may be. It's like find what works for you and live in harmony with everybody else. Do you- I don't know what do you kind of look at all those different things as kind of the same thing or do you feel like what you're what you follow is different oh it's all roads lead to the same city 
all roads lead to the same city. As long as you're not hurting anybody, you're following whatever, you're following the version of God that wants to speak to you. Because it's all the same thing. Like quantum physics has pretty much proven it. So, and I don't deny science either. And that's another great thing about paganism and Wicca is like we, I shouldn't say we as in like I speak for everybody, but from my standpoint, I embrace science. I embrace uh, many different um, cultural aspects of God. So Norse, Hindu, um, even Christianity. So it's these are all facets of the same energy speaking to different people in different ways because that's how I view the universe. It's always been interesting to me that we've talked to people who are kind of, indif- let's say, more on the fringe, and that's not the right word, but I think you know what I'm trying to get at, that are more on the fringe of things like in religion and spirituality, they tend to be very tolerant of other religions, but people who are more in the mainstream tend not to be very tolerant of anything else. That could be because a lot of us are minorities. (laughs) That could be what it is, and we've maybe experienced a lot of exclusion already. And so when we find something that feels more home and feels more accepting there's a not a lot more shutting doors anymore because it's like we know what it feels like to have the door shut on us or to be told we're wrong or to be told that we're going to the nasty place or to be dismissed and again i'm not speaking for everyone there are assholes sorry i hope i can say that you can say it yeah there are assholes in every single group of people religion spirituality like that's just a fact right so no one is perfect But um, I have found more acceptance in my group of people now in the spiritual community, and again, there are assholes there, than I ever found when I was going to church when I was younger. But there were beautiful people there, and I have friends who are still Christian who are absolutely beautiful people. So my thing is I don't care who you kneel to and pray to i don't care who you dance under the moon to if you're a kind person that's what i care about what do you from people who are not necessarily in that community what do you hear from them oh about paganism and witchcraft and tarot and stuff yeah um thankfully because of things like harry potter even though it's fiction and really powerful archetypes that have come out like you know charmed uh, Willow from Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. These are like, I'm, I'm referencing some very early 2000, late 90s. Uh, but because we had this shift of so much of it coming out on the internet and so much information, it has gotten a lot better for sure because there is more information out there. But I've been very, Nick, I've got to say, I've been very lucky. I haven't had a lot of experiences where I have been, no one has treated me badly on the street i haven't had anyone say anything to me um i mean i get emails in my inbox saying all sorts of horrible stuff but i just delete it or comments on my youtube channel or whatever it may be but i just delete those Uh, but it's it's infrequent thankfully when you do a reading like what what's happening what are you doing walk me through that in terms of somebody who has has never experienced it before Sure. So when I do a reading, I will ask my client what brought them to me. And the reason why I do that is because I want to know what they're there for. And it's not because I can't predict things, but it's 
when you have all this information, it's mud in, mud out. So if you say, I'm not going to tell you anything, then I can give you a general idea of what's going on. But if you ask me, uh, tell me what's going on, I can give you very clear and a much more direct um, and applicable reading. So I'll ask my client, okay, so what brought you here today? How can I be of service? And then I'll have them shuffle the cards if they're across the table from me. And I'll have them cut the deck. And then I'll lay the cards out in a, a spread that I've designed for them or that I know from my <laughs> my catalogue of, of tarot spreads. And then I start the reading. So for me, it's like seeing a, a snapshot of their life and then all of the little jigsaw puzzle pieces are falling into place. And every card has a position and every position has a meaning and that tells me a little bit more about what's going on. So it's like, what are they worried about? What's their subconscious doing? What past behavior has caused this to happen? So then what can we do and what's the most likely outcome in the future? What are they afraid of? What are they hopeful of? What outside influences are happening here? Maybe they've got a domineering person in their life that is pushing them to do something or they're worried about the expectations of their family Okay, what can they do? So see how it's like a little, it is like it's a little dancing jigsaw piece puzzle that you're putting together. In terms of though, some of the predictions and things like that, are they generally very specific or is it kind of a prediction that you could say for anybody like, you will have a challenge that will be difficult, but you are overcome? So that I like to call like uh, the horoscope readings that you get in, which, you know, I totally read, by the way, <laughs> so I'm not knocking those um, because that's a very large, that's a very general, I think you're absolutely right. Mine is specific. So I like, my readings are question answer based. So if anyone books with me, unless it's a Skype session where we can talk about whatever you like and then go through whatever, it's question based. So I've got people saying, um, I have applied for a job. I'd like to know whether this company is a good fit and if I'm likely to get it. So I'm going to answer that question and say if they're likely to get it and if the, cl- the company is a good fit. So I will answer it specifically to that client. Um, I don't do general, more general readings. I do Oracle Wednesday, which is like a free pick a card thing on my Instagram, which I've been doing for years now. Um, and that's like my little free offering to everybody. But um, nope, if you ask me a question, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer it and it's going to be specific around you. Like I get, you know, when am I going to fall pregnant? When am I going to um, find the love of my life? Or how can I find the love of my life? When is this job happening? When are my visa applications happening? Like I get asked about everything. I'm imagining this maybe a little bit too much, but in the sense like, do you keep a spreadsheet that shows when you've been correct and not correct? Or do you keep track of it? Um, that's very difficult to do because I'm relying on the feedback from my clients and not everyone gets back to you. Um, and it could be just because they get busy or because they just don't email back. Um, but I see it as I know that, well, I get, I do get feedback. I've got plenty of emails saying you were right. Um, or you were right, but you were like off by two weeks. I'm like, yeah, that's still right. (laughs) Two weeks is nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Close Um, enough. Close enough. Um, but I, if I have clients, and I do, who ha- come back to me and who book readings with me maybe once a year, which they, they check in or when there's a big change and they say, you know, you know, you know you're my reader, 
and that I'm like, well, I must be doing something right if I've been doing this for so long and I have got people who will, you know, happily spend time with me um, asking those predictive questions. As a matter of fact, I had someone come up to me at the convention I was at on the weekend and she said, you were right, I'm pregnant. So that's kind of, that's some pretty good validation, but I don't keep a spreadsheet. For me personally, I kind of look at it in terms of religion and spirituality, like whatever you want to, as I drop the thing. (laughs) But when I look at those things kind of in terms of like a horoscope or something, my criticism of it would be like, I read every single one and they all sound like they apply to me. Because I think that maybe some people who are skeptical would just look like, well, you can just make this blanket statement and it looks like anything could be true. That's the difference between a horoscope generalized reading and going to someone reputable one-on-one to get a personalized reading. It's like going to, I liken it to wanting to know the answers but refusing to do the work for it. Yeah, So like those, those horoscopes are just like, blanket statements and they are done again i'm not knocking them many of my friends do horoscope readings but you're talking about doing a reading for millions of people uh each star sign each zodiac sign so they're doing a reading for like the energy of that star sign so of course it's going to be general because there's millions of people who are that star sign but when you're now looking at one-on-one readings that's very, very different. Or if you were getting a horoscope chart on your chart of the time and space that you were born, that's going to be a whole different kettle of fish. So they are totally two different things. Have you ever like gotten a really bad reading from somebody and not wanted to tell them, like, you're going to die on Tuesday or something? <laughs> have I ever given – have I ever seen someone that's going to die? Or? Yeah, or no, I mean in the sense that like, wow, I really don't want to tell this person what's in their future. Um, I've, when, when I first started and some of the difficult stuff came up, I've got to say it was a little bit hard and that's one of the things about being good at what you do and you certainly have to learn a, a bedside manner. Um, I don't shy away from the hard stuff. Now I will not predict a physical death. Um, I don't believe that's my place. I have had it come up, but I had it come up at a reading. So it's come up a few times but it's always been when the person has known. So one of the times it was a wife of a gentleman who had stage four pancreatic cancer and he was going through treatment and she knew they knew that it was, it was a very high mortality rate. And, um, when death came up and, and a lot of other cards have to come up around specific cards have to come up around that for it to indicate a physical passing. Um, and she said, it's okay. Like we, we, you know we're making plans and that was a massive relief because then at least we could talk about how to make the time that they had together as meaningful as possible and transition and what legal stuff she may have to go through and how to grieve in this space but it's very very rare but it's more about if anything difficult comes up for my clients it is about empowering their decisions of how to move forward without taking away their power, their purpose, or their hope. Because if you're doing any of that, you're you're scamming them. If you're making anyone relying on you for any of those things, you're taking their power away. So if I have someone whose marriage is dissolving around them or their 
partner is cheating or they're about to lose their job, I may not say, hey, mate, you better do your resume because you're about to get kicked to the curb by your, your employer. But I may say there's going to be some organizational changes. I do recommend that the best thing for you to do is get ahead of the curve. Do you believe in in fate necessarily? Like we all have this predestined thing that is laid out and there's nothing that we can do to change it? Or do you think that we really kind of make our own destiny? So I believe in free will, but I also believe that some things are kind of like most likely to happen. So like if you're, I mean, I know you have children, so I I have a son too. And I think, well, I was told by doctors I could never have a kid and, you know, don't keep, get your hopes up. It's going to be very difficult. And I had a son. And for me, I was like, oh, maybe that was like a little divine intervention or a a divine moment. But I think some of the big stuff may be preordained or pre, like when you live, when you are born and when you die and a few of the very big things, but everything in between, I believe we have a choice within it. But here's the thing, I don't think we're ever really going to know until we're dead. So for me, it's like this moving concept. So I was going to say, one of my favorite movies of all time is Dogma, and Chris Rock's character says, have an idea. An idea is easier to change. A belief is much harder. So I have an idea that we have some big things that are preordained and all the little choices and the free will in between that that we can choose, and some of them are big deals that we choose. But we really don't have an idea. We don't have a clue until we're dead, I don't think, to the divine plan of it all. Do you think that that's kind of the universe choosing for us or laying out this path for us? Or do you think that people secretly kind of choose themselves and we just attribute it to something else? I think it's a little bit of both because design has to be met with intention. Because if you don't have intention, it's going to go nowhere. So it may be designed by the, an intelligent force in the universe, the platypus in the sky or the spaghetti monster or whatever you want to call it, Cthulhu. Um, but if you don't meet it with intention, it's going to go nowhere. So we have to intend it one way or another, whether we do it subconsciously and do nothing or whether we do it consciously and meet it there. In terms of people, why do you think that prophecy, that kind of idea, is so powerful to us? Because we want hope i uh, i think there's a few things to be honest like that was kind of a bit of a joke but it's not um so prophecy has always had a place in mythos like if you go i mean jesus was a prophet you know so it's prophecy has had a place we've had the oracles of delphi we've had the priests of ancient egypt we've had you go right back and we've had prophets so these were the people that were the closest to spirit. They could see, they could touch spirit, they could talk to spirit. And the idea behind it will always be whatever anyone wants to get out of it, obviously, because you could go for fame and money or you could go for healing and love or you can go for just to be happy. But we want to know, I think, that we're not alone, that we're guided and protected, that there's hope and that we have something to live for and that we want to be clued in. Because everyone loves to know something that someone else doesn't. It makes us feel special. Yep. You know, so the, all of those things play a part in prophecy and play a part in knowing something. And the key is and is knowing yourself first and knowing what drives you to know the other stuff. Tarot and, and witchcraft, is that more of a religious thing or is 
witchcraft is the religion and tarot is not necessarily religion or am I missing something there? Cool. So that's a really good question. So Wicca is a religion. Okay. Under a paganism umbrella. Witchcraft is the practice of any form of magic or esoteric practice that has no religion. So you can practice craft, witchcraft, and be atheist. You can practice witchcraft and be Chinese. You can practice witchcraft. Uh, you could be a Buddhist. Uh, you can be a Christian witch. Witchcraft is the practice of. So that's a separate, completely separate thing. Tarot belongs to nobody. Tarot belongs to absolutely no religion, creed, color, background, nothing. It is a tool that is across many cultures. You know, what do you think about something? Because I've always felt like this necessarily, that someone would say, oh, you cast a spell and it didn't work, so therefore this religion and this belief is completely irrelevant. But then people pray for things all the time, and if that doesn't happen, they just say, well, it's not in God's plan. Well, I think people like will just see what they want to see and love what they want to love and believe what they want to believe, and that's cool. Like, that's that's fine. I'm not here to sort of change anyone's mind on that. But when I say to, when people say, oh, I cast a spell and something didn't work, I say, okay, cool, so... If you don't mind, because it's a personal practice, break it down for me. Like, what did you do? And often it's something that's missed. So it could be a block that they have psychologically that they don't, they have like a self-sabotaging thing that they are afraid to succeed or they are afraid of the change or they missed something or they said, I want to, I want to spell for a, a new job and they didn't go out and apply for a new job. You know, so it's like the pizza man is not going to deliver you your next husband on a stuffed crust like it's just not going to happen so you're going to have to do certain things <laughs> to meet the magic halfway and not a lot of people will do the real work front work uh magic because again it's when you boil it down it's all quantum physics quantum mechanics and all that sort of stuff i was raised roman catholic and there was some places in my life where i kind of just went what am i what am i doing here have you ever had that kind of a moment in terms of this kind of stuff at the same time, like, wow, this is, what am I doing here? I've never felt like, what am I doing here from a, a questioning my pathway? Not ever. I don't know. It, it feels, there's nothing I would be doing. There's nothing that I would rather be doing with my life. When people kind of first come in for their first reading, their first experience, how does that work? Are they pretty skeptical? Are they usually like, I've got something going on in my life? Is it kind of the first place do they turn to, or or, or are you guys kind of towards the back end, so to speak? The last, the last line of defense. Um, sometimes we are. Like, really, I've tried everything, and this is like my last-ditch effort. It really depends on the, the person's background and whether it's a taboo thing. Um, like I love, uh, I love seeing in, in pop culture like the marvelous Miss Maisel when her mum goes into the fortune teller, but she can't have anyone see her do it. Like people still do that, uh, which is quite quite funny. And I get a lot of people say, "Oh, you're my first tarot reading," and that always makes me feel really special because it's like you've parted and trusted your hard-earned money to pretty much a stranger um so sometimes we are the last well the last kind of thing that they're trying i don't know what else to do but because tarot is becoming more mainstream it's becoming a lot less of that last ditch effort and this is like 
oh, I saw it in Barnes and Noble or I've seen it online somewhere and I'm going to give this a try. I do feel like people are probably a lot more believers, quote unquote. And like I've said before, that's not necessarily the right word, but I feel like there's probably a lot more people that get readings and are believers than would necessarily let on. Do you think that's the case? Oh, that's so true. I think (laughs) I've had plenty of people have readings and, you know, either being like, oh, how did you know that? Or that's so what's going on with my life or, um, Yeah, I think there's – but again, magic, magic, miracles, myth, oracles, prophecy runs in every spiritual spiritual pathway, every religion. There's always miracles. There's always healings, blessings. um, So it's not surprising. Getting a little bit off, have you ever read any books by a guy named Joseph Campbell? Oh, yes. The Hero of Many Faces. Yeah. 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 That's kind of – and I'll edit this part out, but that's kind of my belief system in that sense. Like, it's all really the same thing. And it totally is. And, I mean, I wouldn't even mind if you didn't edit it out because it is. We are a, a high mind. You know, at the end of the day, depending on what you believe, we are all connected somehow. You know, so of course we're going to have these overlapping. It's no mistake that in every culture there is a god of war and there is a goddess of love or a god of love there is a goddess of childbirth and midwifery and there's a god of building hunting you know like it totally makes sense (laughs) it is fascinating and necessarily and i know that some people in certain religions would say well well there's not gods in this religion well there's saints it's kind of the same thing like you're the patron saint of this it's kind of like being the god of this in some ways and then if you roll it back so even with the Catholic Church, you roll it all the way back, the Catholic Church has roots in all of the religions that were before it. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you can't really escape that. I've, I've always found it fascinating, too, in the sense that, like, we all have these same basic questions about life and what's going on and all these kind of things, and there never really is an answer. Nope. I don't know if that's inspiring or incredibly depressing. I think it's a little bit of both. And I think that's what keeps us going. It's like we don't really know and we're just trying to fill in the blanks until we pass on to the the next great adventure. And then maybe we get clued into the cosmic joke truth. You know, like maybe we do. So it's – and that's what's fascinating. It's like make make what you do now count. And the way that I try to make what I do now count is by being of service to others um, and living a good life. What do you think of kind of the movie depiction of this kind of stuff? Because when I hear about it, I'm imagining like the dark tent somewhere in the back corner of a carnival or, you know, the this closed, the, like the dark business on the street that people don't go down and that kind of stuff. So I think some of that is so fabulous because it's so wrong. Um, there are still, you know, Neon Psychics is one up the road for me. I've never been. I, I really ought to just to, to kind of check it out. But um, there are still Neon Psychics, which, you know, they have the, the psychic. Um, oh, line. yeah. Like they got the big so, sign out there. Yeah. And, yeah. Yes. Yeah, there's plenty of those around. Um, the the carnival tents, I mean, I've done tons of fairs and had tables and things like that. 
but the whole um, stereotyping that we, you know, dress a certain way and have crystal balls and, and do certain things. I mean, I've got a crystal ball, but um, it's changed again, thankfully. But there is still that stereotype, and I don't know whether it was to, you know, make fun of what we do or, or a misunderstanding because there's probably a lot of that. Like people just didn't get it, so they were like, sure, we're going to jump on this because that's what's in the – that's what's in the hive mind of Hollywood and that's what it must be or whether it was to, you know, demonise us a little bit. Um, it could be a lot of things. It's probably a lot of those put together. But um, it's, it, is, it is definitely changing. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but if so, how can people avoid kind of getting the, the scam thing, the bad reading uh, kind of thing? Get a recommendation or Google the shit out of the person you're going to get a reading from. So I am totally into do your due diligence. You know, get get a referral if you can from someone. Or if you're going to go to a complete stranger, Google some people online. There are plenty of us who are very – I have a ton of content online. You'll know what kind of reading I'm going to give you. You know I've got – a library full of stuff. I'm not going to go anywhere. I've, I'm reputable. I've got reviews and things like that. That's going to help you. But the second that someone tries to tell you, oh, you've got some dark energy over you or you've got a curse and you need this $600 candle and I'm going to take it off you, just like laugh and walk out because all they're doing is scamming you. And these are professional con artists who know what they are doing. And they give us a shitty name. And we've been fighting a really long time against that. Um, do you, like, will you do readings on yourself? Like, do you start every day? Like, what's today going to be like? Or um, I did when I was learning the cards because that's a really good way of learning what the cards mean. I don't do daily readings for myself anymore. I will usually do readings for myself on a new moon and a full moon because I, that's how I kind of live my life and I have a, a guide that goes through all that sort of stuff. But I will actually get a reading from one of my colleagues if I have something that's really close to home because I know I'm going to be biased. I always hear these, phase, you know, these phrases, it's a new moon, it's this kind of moon, Mercury's in retrograde. Like what does that stuff mean? So uh, it means that there's some cosmic stuff are happening. So with a new moon, so the moon goes through their, their, their cycle, the cycle, her cycle, its cycle, um, every, you know, 27.1 days, I believe it is off the top of my head, 28 days. And every new moon, when the moon is a tiny little sliver, so it's just become from dark, just starting out, that means that you have this opportunity if you follow the moon or you cast intentions to set your sort of goals for the month or for the for the moon uh, cycle to be correct. And you can like take a moment to say, okay, so what do I want to achieve? And it will be in a certain zodiac sign. And every zodiac sign has its own element and has its own feel. And so that will also lend itself to specific things. So like I call the new moon in Taurus is a really good one to work on like money stuff because Taurus is a earth sign. It's also aligned to finances and stability. So you can do that and then you can work on it all the way to the full moon, which is the apex of the power of the moon. And then you can focus again and see how you're going with that goal 
and then when the moon moves from full to going back to dark again, the power diminishes. Yeah, it's it's like it's basically just working with it's working with nature. It's working with the moon, and every woman who has a menstrual cycle can can equate to like it. It you know it does some stuff. So does it seem to be more women than men? Because I don't. I definitely. I know the place that I I work at. There's a number of people who follow follow you and follow this kind of this kind of stuff and i don't i keep saying that and i don't want that to come off like i'm saying anything negative about it when i say this kind of stuff just for anybody who might get that intention but it it it, it, it seems like more women do it than men is that true uh i there are a lot of dudes in tarot there are a lot of really fantastic talented af men in tarot and i'm friends with a lot of them but there are a lot of women and a lot of women most of my clients are women but i also have a a lot of male clients um and it could be because it speaks to them on a subconscious level it could be because of the um visual aspect of it It speaks to them it's a very tactile beautiful ritualistic uh experience or it can be or i like to uh, pull it in in that way like I love the ritual of it um but yeah there's a lot of women and it could be because of that there's a whole huge subject of um uh women and magic and craft and how it you know comes down from midwives and you know shaman and, and things like that so I think there's always been this untapped or this under ground movement of women in in magic but there are a lot of men as well who who are in tarot and so i mean i guess when you look back in times of a historical perspective that does make a lot of sense like the oracles were always seemed to be like they were women i don't even know what the male word for witch is it's witch oh it is (laughs) yeah it's witch uh the whole warlock thing shaman it's medicine man you know, it's uh, there are there are many different names for a male in power. I mean, it makes sense too, in the sense you know, like traditional religions are very kind of hard, fast rules, and that's how men tend to like. This is what you do, and this is how you get there, and this is it. And the more kind of free flowing thing seems more of a women's of a woman's nature necessarily. I hope I didn't offend everyone with that statement. No, no but you're but you're 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 kind of right. Like when we look at the religions who are in power, it's also a male god. It's a male deity that tends to be at the seat of power. Whereas if you move more, if you see more into the goddess movement or the, the movement of paganism and and craft, there is either, well, there are some very only feminine working groups, but there is this more aligned to having a little bit more balance. But there's a lot more women feminine empowerment versus, versus this very male cut and dry, this is what you may, this is what you have to do. Um, that's really pretty much all the questions that I necessarily have. I mean, do you think, is there anything else that you think we should know or anything else that like, man, I could talk about this endlessly that you think people would be really interested about? So I I mentioned before the tarot is a tool and if, uh, you feel drawn to it, know that you can use it in a, in a personal way that means something to you. It's not something that you need to be 
ordained to have or use or that you have to have some sort of psychic gift or you have to come from an unbroken lineage of witches that go back to Salem. Um, It's for everybody and you just have to find the deck uh, that speaks to you and that you think is beautiful and will work with you. It's, and I'm, well, I, for one, am super glad it's becoming mainstream because then there's a lot less misinformation and the people who have been hiding under the guise of scamming people because they know something that you don't about that you don't your life is going to go away because when the light is, when there's a lot more information, they have nowhere to hide. Are you ready for the hardest question of all? Do you know what's going to happen on Game of Thrones this season? Oh, my God. I'm not ready. I am not ready. Are you ready? No. I'm not ready. No, it's too intense for me. That's why I need you to tell me. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. Okay. But I I cannot wait. Um, But I also can't wait for it to be over. Because it has been literally like what nearly ten years of everyone just going like, "Don't spoil it," you know, like on Monday. So um, I can't wait for John to ride a dragon because that's totally going to happen. Um, Daenerys is going to get knocked up; she's already preggers. Sorry for the spoil. Oh, I should say spoiler alert. Uh, Jamie's going to kill Cersei. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, okay. That's because that was prophesized by the witch, by the way. If you remember, yeah, um, we witches have got to stick together. So Jamie's going to kill. It's not going to be um, Tyrion. It's going to be Jamie. Um, I think everyone's just going to die. But yeah. I think that yeah, probably. Um, who do I think is going to be on the Iron Throne at the end? Oh, it's probably going to be. It, it'll either have to be John or. Uh, Daenerys. I kind of want it to be Daenerys, but I don't know. We'll see. What do you think? Have you? Let me ask you this: Have you read the books? I've read. I have read up to the the second last one, so I haven't okay. read. Yeah. My personal thing. So I've read the books, and anybody who has read the books has to insert the fact that they have read the books in every conversation about Game of Thrones. That's. I'm better than you because I've read the books. Yeah, they, <laughs> you have to do that. There's actually a contract at the last book that you signed that you have to be that oh, person. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. I think that John becomes the new Night King. Shut up! I would be so sad. But that's the whole thing. Like it's ultimately, if you read the books. Like I have, which, again, contractually obligated to mention, it's ultimately the song of ice and fire. Like, Daenerys is the fire, Jon is the ice. I think he becomes the new Night King. I think they have a kid, or the kid becomes the new Night King. And they have an an uneasy truce. I can't wait. I know. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm okay. So excited. Remember that spreadsheet I mentioned? We're going to hold all of your predictions. Uh, if any of them are incorrect, we will invalidate everything else. Yeah, totally. It would just be like, well, she was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank Anthony Dawn so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we've linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram. We've also included a lot of her information in our RSS feed. If you know what an RSS feed is, you know where to find that. If you don't, when you look at this podcast, there's the description. Look below that. 
That's all the information about the RSS feed. She has a lot of really cool things coming up. She does a lot of stuff on social media, especially on Instagram. She has a book that is coming out, and she has her own tarot cards as well. I think if nothing else, like whether you're a skeptic or a believer, it's fascinating to see that there is this common thread across all religions, beliefs, mythologies, whatever you want to call this, that we are really all looking for the same basic thing. Like we're all trying to figure out what it is we're doing here and what our purpose is. That seems to be the common thing across all of these different kinds of religions and spiritualities. All right, so now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. I think I will disappoint him the way he usually disappoints me in this episode. There he is. Oh, you giving me stuff for being late? No, no, I just, I almost didn't answer. I thought you were Momo or somebody. Are you still afraid of Momo? Of course I'm still afraid of Momo. I don't want to have that creepy, whatever it is, saying hello to me. Look, this just goes back to my original point of last week that you were soft. <laughs> S-A-W-F-T, soft. Did you put an A in there? Soft, baby. S-A-W-F-T. Why? Soft. Why are you saying that? It used to be a uh, wrestler's motto. Oh, who was it? His name... <laughs> it's actually kind of a tragic story. Oh. His name is Enzo Amore, and then he got fired by the WWE because he allegedly raped a woman in a hotel room. So why would you then bring that back up? Uh, it's It's catchy. All right, I guess yeah, I guess that makes it okay then, huh? You said I was soft, so then it made me think of how he used to say that, and I said it not. I should have known you were going to ask questions. I don't know why I thought I could just get away with it. Do you generally feel like you think things through? Mm, at work, yes. In my personal life, probably not so much. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because we, you and I have worked together. That's how we met. And I found you to be a competent and professional employee. But in, wow. your, in, your, in your real life, I find that you generally don't really think things through. <laughs> I'm just a mess. No, not a mess. It's just like you fail to see the consequences of your actions. You're not the only person this week to tell me that, believe it or not. How, how have other people told you that already <laughs> this week? I have been told within the last week that uh, that uh, I, I often do not realize my surroundings when I do things. Oh, did you say something stupid? No, no, it wasn't saying something stupid. It's more or less doing something stupid. Well, now we have to know what it is. I, I don't even think it was pertaining to anything that was happening during this time out. I think it just has to do with future and, well, past and maybe future events. I, I don't know, but... Well, now I'm just confused. So just tell us what happened. There, I mean, there wasn't there wasn't a, a real story. We were at a bar, and there was this guy making uh, like ice cream, and I was going to go up to him and ask him why he was making ice cream. Uh, and then the, one of my friends I was with said, "You might want to not be an asshole to that guy or get on his nerves. He's the owner of the bar." Well, why was he making ice cream? And what do you mean making ice cream? Like he's just in the middle of the bar with an ice cream machine? Well, he was he was like up against a wall near the bar making ice cream or or popcorn. I, I forget exactly what it was. What, he was what making. do you mean? There's a huge difference between ice cream and popcorn. 
There were a few beers involved. I don't exactly remember what you made. I don't care how many beers that you have. If it's under 50, you should be able to tell the difference between ice cream and popcorn. I'm pretty sure it was popcorn. But I, it could be ice cream. I don't remember. That's that's not the that's not the part of the story that you need to that you need to pick out. Well, this doesn't make any sense. Like I don't understand how you cannot tell the difference between ice cream and popcorn. They have completely different ways of being made, and it's very obvious. I, I agree with you. I wasn't really focused on that aspect of uh, of the situation. But you were focused on it because you were going to go and ask him why he was making ice cream. Well, I wanted I wanted to know more about why he was doing what he was doing, not necessarily what he was making. Does the bar serve ice cream or popcorn? Yes, I think so. What's the name of the bar? Uh, <laughs> the Corner Bar. Hold on, we're gonna look this up and check the menu. No, I I don't think you're gonna find it on the menu because he literally had like a little, like a little stand, and he was just making it. First of all, that's a health code violation. I just did. He have like one of those carts. Did he have a big cart? I mean, that's pretty obvious that he's then making popcorn. No, I mean it, it was a stationary like uh, setup. I just don't exactly remember what he was making because I think it was two two weeks ago, and a lot of things have happened since then. I just don't understand this. Also, my internet is not really working. Well, that's because you live in a trailer. <laughs> not, not saying living in a trailer means anything. First of all, it's not a trailer. It's a mobile home community. Uh, okay. Listen, big, biggest question of the weekend for you. Did you see Captain Marvel? No. And oh, I say okay. no like that because I have a newborn. Of course I didn't. I don't know. I mean, you've been less responsible in the past. I How was I supposed to know? I did once quit a job to go see a Star Wars movie. <laughs> exactly my point. Yeah, it was worth it, too. And it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't even a good Star Wars movie. It was Attack of the Clones. Look, I have a question for you that we're going to start off with anyway. Do you believe in fate? Uh, all these philosophical questions you always ask me. I suppose I believe in fate. In what sense? Like, do you think that somebody is basically their 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 lives are written out for them from the moment of no. birth? No, I believe that your life is based upon choices that you make, and based upon those choices, there may or may not be things along the way that will happen that may have been predetermined. I don't know if that really means anything. I mean, for instance, like how, how I met my wife was by 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 fate or chance, whatever you want to call it. It just happened to be a random blind date from an internet dating site. And if both of us hadn't been in that particular moment at that particular time, in that, you know, where we're at in our particular lives, it would have never happened. I can see that, but I think there's a big difference in the sense of, like, is there only one person for everybody, or does it have to be you just meet the right person at the right time? Like, were you destined to meet this person, or did it just happen? I mean, that's that that's a good question. I, I mean, I think we need to answer that very carefully, as I'm sure our wives listen to this podcast. I know for a fact my wife has stopped listening. <laughs> yeah, I'm not entirely sure my wife has ever listened. We can basically say whatever we want. I know that they complain about it to each other. I know that. My wife's a new mom. 
your wife just had another baby. So they're, I'm sure their text conversations are things we don't even want to imagine about. I've thought about taking a peek, but I've never actually done it. Like, have you ever looked at your wife's phone and actually checked text messages or anything like that? Oh, God, no. I don't. Uh, that, that, that like, crosses a line of, uh, of, of crazy for me. Like, I don't... I don't want her to do that to me, and I, would, I wouldn't I would do that to her. But do you not do that to her because you secretly just don't want her to do that to you? No, I mean, I, mean, I just think it's a, it's a trust thing, and it's a privacy thing. If there's a reason for either of us to go snooping in each other's phone, I mean, if you want to see something in my phone, just ask me. I'll show you anything. I don't care, except for that occasional porn video I have saved in a folder <laughs> somewhere. But that's, you know, that's... That's for another day. When's the last time? When's the last time that you cleared your internet history, worrying that your wife might see it? Oh my god! Uh, I don't think I've ever done that. To be honest, you've never cleared a history. I no, I don't think so. Uh, but <laughs> my wife doesn't. My wife doesn't use our laptop, so I'm safe there. Oh, okay. So it's more yeah. of like a. Now I feel like she's probably going to check it. But look, here's the other question. You don't have to say specifically what, but if she checked it, would she be creeped out? No, I don't think so at all, actually. Not uh, one bit. Not She wouldn't have one single question. I don't think so. We're pretty open with each other. I mean, there's no – she might have a couple of questions, but it wouldn't be about anything – nasty or, or, or sick it'd be more about like well why 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 are you searching 30 searches for you know best nintendo switch games or something i don't I, that's a perfect i don't even know why that would be a question to be honest with you i think you should look up the best nintendo switches also are you are you changing over to be a nintendo man i i, I do own a switch now yeah wow what game you got what's your first game uh so i have i have odyssey and uh I believe I believe I may or may not have been given the Pokemon game. <laughs> I have to check. I don't know. I you bought it for the fucking Pokemon game, didn't you? I, I think it was intended for my daughter, but she's a little young yet. So, so you try it out for it. you saw a new Pokemon game and went and bought a Nintendo <laughs> Switch? <laughs> no, I, I no, you know, just just thought about getting one, you know. So I just uh, just went out and purchased one. No big deal. What ta- when did the new Pokemon game come out? Uh, well, it has. It comes out in October, but they they re they pretty much re released the original two. Uh, I don't know if you are even a fan. No, we've already discussed. I don't this. think anyone knows anything about that. Well, the original games came out in the the mid nineties. The and they they basically re released the yellow and the red slash blue version uh, for the Switch, and they're called Pokemon Go, Eevee, or Pikachu editions now. Your knowledge of Pokemon <laughs> horrifies me. Thank God, uh, thank God, this is just a podcast that no one listens to, or God knows what we would be on the internet. Um, how do you feel about Charizard? I I once stood in a line in the freezing cold to enter a raffle to enter a raffle to get a Charizard hologram card when I was like eleven. And by eleven, you mean twenty five. Yeah, no, I was probably 11 because my dad was so fed up with the line that he left me there. That's that's legit. I I fully I fully support Papa Shaw on that one. I mean, you're 11 <laughs> years old. He could he could legitimately. I don't have any problem with a parent watching their child in a line for that kind of thing from a bar across the street. <laughs> well, I don't even think he went to the bar. I think he literally left 
Did you have friends with you, or were you just like an 11 year old standing there in the cold by yourself alone? No, I had, I had another friend with me. That's legitimate. Did that? Are you still friends with that person? Uh, I am not. Why would you have a fallen out? Did he get Charizard ahead of you? <laughs> uh, no, you know, you just you just grow, you just grow separate ways. I wanted to continue being a Pokemon trainer, and he wanted to be a project project fan. No big deal. John's Fast Five. Pew 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 pew. John's Fast Five. Pew 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 pew. John's Fast Five. My turn. My turn. <laughs> In a second. Wait. Shh. <laughs> this isn't gonna work while he's out awake. You know that, right? Do you have a Fast Five, or what? What's the deal with that? Are you done with this? I don't know what's happening. Well, so. There's two documentaries uh, that I recently watched that had me asking a lot of questions. Oh, I would agree with you. I think I know where you're going. I think this is a very relevant topic. Okay. One uh, you'll be very interested in, which is called Free Solo. I'm aware of it. That's the uh, rock climbing movie where the guy climbs without any kind of ropes or anything. Yeah, insane. The other one is about the Bobbits. I just watched this docu-series on Lorena and John Bobbitt. It's it's a real story, obviously, 1993. uh, She was a victim of, they were married, she was a victim of uh, uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse, fossil abuse. She cut off his penis. Yeah. And then he got it, he got it put back on. You know, they were both went to trial for, for different things, found not guilty. She ended up becoming a domestic violence advocate. He became a porn star. Boy, that's a different that's those are two different directions, aren't they? How did he become a porn star? Did he, was he a porn star because he was unusually uh gifted, shall we say, or was he a porn star because <laughs> everybody wanted to see what a penis that had been cut off looked like? Well, I I'm from what the documentary said and from the extensive research uh that I did. Um, I mean, he was just getting money. They were both getting money thrown at him uh, for different things. So he claims to have made millions upon millions of dollars making that video. He only made one video. Well, he's not really a porn star. He did a porn or a porno. I don't know how you... The story gets more convoluted. He then went to... He went to go get a... uh, His penis enlarged. How do you even do that? I've I I I didn't look it up, but I, I doubt that suggest, very much. I doubt that very much. I would suggest anyone to Google it. Anyways, the doctor who performed the surgery ended up being like one of those pseudo doctors, like they pretended <laughs> to know what they're doing, and basically deformed his dick even more. So he got his dick chopped off, got to put back on, and then gets it deformed even more. And that pretty much ended any porn career he was going to have. So then he went to the Moonlight Bunny Ranch, uh, the one that was made famous on HBO's Cat House, and was a door greeter there. So coming coming back around on this, it got me thinking, if you, if you had to lose any appendage, which appendage would you give up first? Well, you're, that's an easy answer. I mean, you're giving up your toes. Okay, I mean, I, I would also agree with you, but I don't think I don't think you can lose the big toe. I think the big toe is very important. I think you need to keep that. Got to keep big toe, but like, 
then it also got me thinking uh could you imagine i mean i mean i'm I'm not saying he did deserve or didn't deserve it i mean obviously the facts of the case look like he had been abusive for a while and you know this was like her lashing out but imagine being being in that situation no, i would wake up and it's you know it's chopped in half but wait, I thought she cut it off like at the base, or she just cut off the tip, or what did she do? Well, see, this is how this the, this podcast always uh, downward spirals. Uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> from the picture I saw on the documentary, which is on Amazon Prime, if anyone wants to go watch it. Shout out to Amazon it Prime. Like, it might have been erect, and then it shrunk. So it looks like it was like right near the base. Okay. First of all, don't talk about it like you've never seen one before. I mean, you have the equipment. You know what the equipment looks like, and you know how it works. So don't say, oh, it looked like this. Like, you know exactly what it looked like. You looked like you looked at it. Just be secure in your manliness enough to say that, yeah, I stared at this guy's junk for a good 30 seconds to figure out what happened. It's okay. Fine. It looked like, it looked like a fucking tree stump with blood coming out of it, all right? Yeah, that would hurt. No, I even just thinking about it, I think any guy probably gets this feeling, like even just thinking about it, you just get that feeling where like, oh, no, that would be, I guess the question is, would you rather lose that or both arms or both legs? That's a great question. I, I, I know for sure I wouldn't want to lose my legs. I would probably though, if I was going to do it, I think I would lose one arm or one leg before I lost that. I don't think I would go I don't think I would want to lose both before I lost that though. Like if somebody was making me choose, like you can lose one arm or you can lose your penis, I would choose to lose one arm. But if they said you only lose both arms or your penis, I would probably lose my penis. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I would lose my penis before I would lose my arms or my legs in their entirety. I mean, we're both married at this point, so we really already lost it. Hey, oh! <laughs> yeah. Um, what about the free solo thing? Or are you still on the Lorena Bobbitt deal? No, no. I mean, you know, Lorena Bobbitt, you know, give it a shout out. Go check it out. It's it's worth your time. Uh, it, it's a, it's four hours. It's, it's it's like four one-hour parts. Wow, they didn't cut that short, did they? No, it's... <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, um, you took a second. It took a second for you to pick it up. Because well, I, I, I was setting up a joke saying that uh, <laughs> the person who reattached his penis uh, in, in, in Manassas, Virginia, has the title of a microsurgeon. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, no, so Free Solo, uh, I mean... You know, you're you're a rock climber, like a, a or a free climber, whatever you want to call it. I mean, you're you're pretty decent at it. I'll give you some credit. Um, but I mean, this guy is just—he's incredible. I mean, it's like it's like 300 feet that he just scales up the the side of this rock with, with nothing. Like I, it it defies gravity. I mean, well, it got me think. It got me thinking that. I mean, this guy probably can't bench 200 pounds, but yet he can, you know, he can climb up the side of a rock with with nothing. It's an an incredible accomplishment. It's also not 300 feet. It's about 3,000 feet, which is a big difference. Thank you for paying attention to the documentary. 
<laughs> it's well, close enough. I forgot a zero. So, I mean, okay. Being a person who goes rock climbing, it's a little bit different than what it is, is depicted as necessarily. So he's climbing a level that is far below what he is fully capable of climbing. So think of it in terms of like, all right, if you could bench 225 max with spotters, are you comfortable doing 185 without them or 135 without them? The difference there is like, so he's not pushing at a maximum level that he can do it, but that fear is a huge part of it. And if like, if that takes over, then you're basically screwed. Are you downplaying as accomplishment? Because I, I don't think, I forget the name of the rock that he climbed up, but I don't think anyone had ever done it before. Well, people had climbed it, but they had never climbed it without a rope. Okay. Yeah, that's that's correct. So, I don't know. I'm not downplaying it because it's it's much more of a, I guess what I'm trying to say, it's much more of a mental accomplishment than it is a physical accomplishment. Okay. I mean, and, and in the documentary, I mean, everyone involved says that, even... Even the damn, you know, filmmaker says that, you know, just watching, you know, knowing that he could have fallen at any time was more of a, a mental thing than any of any part of the physical part of it, which is just insane to me. So to maybe even put a little bit more perspective on this, I climb about 512, which everything is rated in between five is when you start rock climbing and then it goes from 5.0 all the way up to I think they're like 515, 516 now. I've free soloed something before on accident at about a 5.3 or a 5.4. But I've climbed 5.5, five, five, sixes that are a little bit scary. They call them a little bit run out where it's a long way in between bolts where you're protecting yourself. And even though I'm fully physically capable of doing it, when you get scared, like you shut down. That's why it's such a mental accomplishment for him. Like if if you start to lose that confidence – because you're essentially just holding on with your fingers and toes at some point. If you lose that, you're fucked. Like, like, do you think that? I mean, because there, there's one, there's one scene where he stops and like takes a selfie. Like he's literally fucking holding on with one arm and two legs. Yeah, no, he's that I mean, good. The weird thing about rock climbing is though, is like once you have it, you have it, right? I mean, you're pretty confident that you can do it. And if you can keep that confidence, that's really what it's about. It's it's, it's a mental thing. Well, I, I guess I guess what I'm saying is, when when are we going to see you free solo something that's three thousand feet? Uh, never. I would never do that. <laughs> there is not, not even for millions of dollars. There is also a big question in the rock climbing community. Not that I'm necessarily part of the rock climbing community, but if he should be doing this, and what message it sends to other people. Because it's really not – it's not something that most people live a long time doing. Most free soloists are dead. I mean it, it kind of makes sense. One slip, one fall, one mental error and you're falling to your death. It, it's, and it's not even you. I mean the rock can give out. Like I've had rock break away on me and you don't, you don't see it coming at all. How much does the wind come into play when you're when you're doing that? Does it come into play at all? Wind would actually probably help you out a little bit. It's much more about like you don't realize this, but I mean just rub your fingers a little bit and they can be a little bit a little bit damp. Like and if you lose any kind of that, like if it's blowing any kind of moisture or anything like that, that can make that can be a really big deal. 
Because any of those kind of stuff, when you're talking about something at that level, you're really like, look at the pad of your finger, right? Like you're probably holding on by that first pad from the end of your finger to where you see that first crevice. And so if you get any kind of moisture in there, you're, you're, you're in a really bad situation. You almost sounded like you knew what you were talking about there. Well, did you know that the water bear, also known as the tardigrade, is only half a millimeter long, but it is sturdy enough that they think that it could actually survive in space? I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I have no idea what a water bear is. It's probably the most incredible organism that you have never heard of. Like, this thing is, is, is incredible. And so it's obviously in, in water, like droplets of water. No, it's just called a water bear. That's what they call it because it basically looks like a bear. But it's essentially, I don't know if it's officially, it's basically microscopic. And it is basically the best organism alive. It really is. Like listen to the different things that this thing can survive in. It can survive in hot springs. They have found it at the top of the Himalayas. They have found it in feet of solid ice living at the bottom of the ocean and they theorize that it can survive in anything between negative 270 degrees below zero to 300 degrees fahrenheit so it's pretty much like the badass of badass yeah except it's microscopic and you could squish it are you ready for we're doing a special thing we're doing two top fives one of them was suggested by me. One of them was suggested by you. I want to do our first one that was suggested by you a little bit differently. This top five is the top five people that you would like to get a drink with. I want you to go through your top five straight. Now, we, we weren't clear in this. I was. Can, I don't know how be, you weren't. It can be people that, that are not with us anymore, correct? Yes. Sure. Okay, perfect. From five to one, my list... The Rock. I knew it. Babe Ruth. What? Okay. Kurt Russell. <laughs> FDR. Okay. Church, Wait, FDR? Churchill. You're going Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Why are you going to go him over Teddy Roosevelt? Teddy Roosevelt's the much more interesting Roosevelt. Because I, I, I want I want to I want to sit there and I, I want to I, I would love to pick his brain. About just how you know World War Two and, and maneuvering and you know just just all those things. That's why I have Churchill on the list as well. Okay, so where where how far did we get before I interrupted you and got angry? Um, I'm pretty sure you got angry at Babe Ruth. So uh, no, I got angry so, at Kurt Russell because like so, you're going like, you're going really high caliber of the field that they're in, and then you bring up Kurt Russell. Don't you talk shit about Kurt Russell? Name. <laughs> I don't. I can't even listen. I can't even think of what the difference between Kurt Russell and Patrick Swayze is. I literally don't Jesus know which one is which. Christ, you're insane. Pat Russell? No, Pat Russell. What is his name? They're essentially Pat the same Russell. person. Uh, you know, I actually thought we were having like our most informative, well thought out podcast, and now you're going to ruin it because you're you're picking on Kurt Russell. Well, I know I'm not picking on Kurt Russell. I'm just telling you that I have a hard time remembering the difference between Kurt Russell and Patrick Swayze. Well, I can tell you this. One's dead, one isn't. Well, that's just mean and rude. <laughs> so once again, don't talk for 10 seconds. My top five, The Rock, Babe Ruth, Kurt Russell... FDR and Winston Churchill. Okay. Are you ready for What's my yours? top are you ready for my top five? As long as Rodney Dangerfield is not in it, 
Yes. I didn't make one. <laughs> of course you did it. No, I was going to make one when you suggested it. And then I was sitting there. I was like, who am I going to put on this list? And then I thought to myself, I'm a married man with one two and a half year old and a newborn son. You know who I want to get a drink with? Fucking nobody. I want five minutes of peace to myself. That's that's a terrible. I mean, that's terrible. No, that's but, what I want. That's who I want to get a drink with. No one. Well, it sounds like you have some some issues that you want to vent about. So so please feel free. Actually, do you know what? Now that what what I will say this. What I thought it would be funny to have you put all this effort into your list, and then for me to just not do it. But then, as you started making your list, I felt a little bit bad. The person that I would legitimately think should be number one on everybody's list is Jesus. Not for religious reasons, but just to find out, like, hey, man, what's really going on here? See, I had him on the list, but then I took him off because of that very reason. How do you take Jesus off the list? You can't do that. You can't take him off the list. Because, because, you know, if I can only have five people, uh, you know— He's, he's going to be on every one. You're going to put Kurt Russell above Jesus? I'm not putting him above Jesus. Yeah, you did. No, no. You literally did. If you don't have Jesus on the list and you have Kurt Russell on the list, you have Kurt Russell above Jesus. I will go on a limb to say that having a whiskey with Kurt Russell would probably be more entertaining than having a whiskey with Jesus. He's Jesus. Even if there's no religious aspect to it, you could just be like, what if he's... I mean, he's Jesus. I, I don't disagree with you that he's Jesus, but Kurt Russell is going to have way better stories. <laughs> no, he is not. Life. No, he is not. Kurt Russell does not have better stories than Jesus. Because if anything else, you could find out like, hey, man, all this stuff they said about you, did that happen? And then, and then he's going to be like, no, my son. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, even if Jesus turned out to be an incredibly boring guy, you still get to find all of these things out. Like, with Kurt Russell, the only thing that I would find out is what exactly is the difference between him and Patrick Swayze. And he would probably punch you in the face, pick you back up, sit you down, and go, well, let's have a drink now. I don't think you know that, I just really don't see how you take (laughs) Jesus off the list. I could understand if you never put him on. But I don't know how you take him off of it. I actually, like, I have scribbles and, and shit on my list. Like, I probably put a good half an hour of work into thinking about this list. That, I should have known you weren't going to at all. What, who did you scribble off the list now? Well, I mean, there's several, like, dignitaries. Like, I have Abraham Lincoln, uh, Obama, Joe Biden, uh, you know, sports stars, people like that. I mean... But then I finally came up with, like, a suitable top five. And then, you know, but Jesus, he didn't make the cut this time. I'm sorry. Where was Tom Brady? Tom Brady was on there. But then I thought, like, Tom Brady's not going to drink whiskey. He's going to try to sell me one of his fucking health shakes. Yeah, I feel like he would nag you a little bit. You know, but I've always heard, never meet your heroes. You're always going to be disappointed. That's They're just people at the end of the day. I mean... And everyone's disappointing in their own right some way, somehow. Yeah, we know that for sure. <laughs> I mean, did, did you even come up with a top five pops or what? Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. Let's get to the real top five. The one that I think is the is, is the big one. I know. First off, I think that top five is a good question. 
Thank you for putting no effort into that top five. I know. You were so excited about it. That's why I just, I couldn't do it. So our next top five is our top five pops or soda pop or colas or Coca-Cola. Not Coca-Cola. I don't think people say that. I think people mainly stick to soda, soda pop, Coke, and pop. But we're going to do top five pops. What do you have for number five? I have uh, Dr. Pepper as my number That's five. That's way too low. That's... <sighs> I have Code Red. <laughs> Out of all the Mountain Dew varieties, that is by far the worst kind. And, of course, it's your number five. No, Mountain Dew Code Red is the best kind of Code Red. I had, I had some experiences in college. Where I just drank code red after code red after code red. We won't get into what I had done before that inspired me to drink so much code red, but I loved it. <laughs> uh, my number four is Mountain Dew. My number four is Schweppes ginger ale. Uh, I mean, I like ginger ale, but of course you go with Schweppes. And I don't even feel like you're being sincere about that pick. No, I, I am. Like- I like Schweppes ginger ale. I do like a good ginger ale. That's the only I brand like- of ginger ale I could think of. Also, how do you have Mountain Dew that high on your list when you once got a kidney stone from drinking too much Mountain Dew? I, I mean, I, I literally gave it because I, I don't drink it anymore for obvious reasons, one of which is what you just said. Uh, could you relapse? Yeah, I've had three kidney stones in my life. No, I mean, could you relapse and go back into your Mountain Dew code, Mountain Dew addiction, and get another, mm. another one? Um, probably. I mean, I would have to drink a lot of Mountain Dew, though. I mean, I was, I was in college, and I was probably going through four to five two liters a day, probably. That is unbelievable. Yeah, that, that is was- unbelievable. Yeah, it was it was nasty. I don't even know. Like, I, I yeah, that was just bad. How did it's you not even, even like that good? How did you even sleep? I I actually slept pretty well. I think. <laughs> did you like wake up in the middle of the night, get you a big pull from your Mountain Dew two liter, and then go back to bed? And I, I had my one my one strawberry. <laughs> and went back to bed. I like how somebody called you out about lying about that earlier. I, lo- I love how, how our viewership or listenership, like, r- they just dog on me, even though people loved my, uh, you know, m- my Facebook poll. They loved me more than you, which is fantastic. Well, you lied about the Facebook poll and cheated about the Facebook poll. No, I never lied. I said I was going to make an unbiased top five list, and that's what I did. Well, then, but then you cheated by posting it to your own thing and basically firing up your supporters as opposed to putting it to the general public for a fair and impartial vote. Oh, well, okay. Now you're now you're claiming that I'm I'm manipulating the data. Yeah, that's a better way of putting it. What's your oh, number three? What you get for being five foot four? Uh, I have Coke. Just general Coke? Yeah, just regular Coke. Okay, I have. Diet wet wild cherry Pepsi, but specifically from a two liter. It's delicious out of a two liter. It's not that great if you get it out of a can, though. <laughs> okay, I don't even know what to, like. I have no idea what to say to that. You just named off di- diets. Wild cherry, cherry Pepsi. Wild cherry Pepsi. In, in, a, in a two liter. Yeah, see, I have a level of specificity on these top fives. I'm not like you, just a Coke, Pepsi. 
Okay, guess what my number two is. It's probably Pepsi. Pepsi. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> What's your number two? Well, look, I want to address this really quickly, but you guys, would you admit that there, there's a difference between when you get something out of a can, when you get something out of a two-liter, when you get something out of like a fountain drink, specifically at McDonald's. McDonald's has the best Diet Coke in the world. First off, do you drink Diet Coke? Yeah. Well, no, but I drink Diet Pop. Why do you drink Diet Pop? Do you actually think that it's better for you than regular pop? No, my rationale for it is because I was born without a sense of smell and don't really have much of a defined sense of taste, I can't taste the difference between diet and regular, so I might as well just drink the diet. <laughs> That's actually a great reason. Yeah. I, I have nothing to say to that. Yeah, why don't, you bring up, why don't you bring up the fact about who's dead again? <laughs> Patrick Swayze is still there. I still um, think it's Kurt Russell. They could have no, switched no. bodies and we wouldn't even know. I mean, you might as well just throw Steven Seagal in there. No one knows the difference. Is he dead? No, but him and Jean-Claude Van Damme are really the same person. Just No, they're completely no. different. Can I, tell you, can I tell you a Steven Seagal story? Sure, why not? So Steven Seagal used to have this close relationship with Sheriff Joe Arpaio, who is this controversial sheriff in Phoenix, Arizona, where I used to work as a reporter. And one time Sheriff Joe brought in Steven Seagal because Steven Seagal had training in something. And Steven Seagal, during the interview process, said, I have millions of hours of training in this. And we as reporters asked him, literally, that's not possible. You're not alive for that long. <laughs> And what, and what did he say to that? He had nothing to say to that. I mean, I feel I feel like people, I mean, we're included. We make statements that we don't think we're going to get asked about. And then when people ask us, we just go, oh, okay, you caught us. Mug root beer? Not bad. I, I would rather have A&W if I was going root beer, but mug's not bad. You, It's hard to get some of them. You can't find them. Like, I've never been to a store that had mugs Barks and A and W. Um. Yeah, you're probably right. I guess now that I think about it, maybe there must be some kind of you can't bring it across state lines kind of deal. Well, I'm sure there is like a distribution like war that goes on with those things. Yeah, it's probably pretty violent in the root beer industry. Like um, in Detroit, we have Fago. You know, don't don't come into Detroit. You want to mess with our Fago? ICP? Aren't they from Detroit? They, well. They, they, uh, you know, their juggalos are based out of Detroit. They're from like Rochester Hills and Troy or some bullshit. Oh, okay. So they're from near Detroit, not Detroit proper. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure that there's a difference somewhere that no one knows. Um, what's what's your number? What's your number one? Uh, wild cherry Pepsi. Whoa! So me and you, you you put something that I like higher on the list than me. Yeah, but I, I, I just like regular Wild Cherry Pepsi out of a can. Okay. I like Diet Wild Cherry Pepsi out of a two-liter, but again, that means we're basically we're basically blood brothers. <laughs> no, no, it, it, it doesn't mean that at all, actually. Not even close. See, my number one is something to me that is such a clear number one. It's almost like the Taco Bell thing of restaurants where it's such a dominant number one. It should actually take up number one and number two, and that's Diet Dr. Pepper. That I, I have – what? Diet Dr. They Pepper. They make Diet Dr. Pepper? What do you – what do you mean they, they – don't – like you didn't fucking know. 
that they make Diet, Diet Dr. Dr. Pepper. Pepper? That, I mean, I like Dr. Pepper, but I, I couldn't even think about having Diet Dr. Pepper. How could you not think about it? How could you pretend like you didn't know it exists? Like you're some from f- foreign planet and you didn't, oh, Diet, I never fucking heard of that. I, do you realize that your top five sodas list is just about as bad as your top five actors list? That's not true. First of it's all, pretty terrible. Code Red's it's delicious. It's, it's pretty terrible. Well, I wanted it to be different because basically when you pick one thing that's like a Coke or a Pepsi, you've basically said them all. Like, oh, my number one is vanilla Pepsi. My number two is vanilla cherry Pepsi. My number three is cherry Pepsi. My number four is diet vanilla cherry Pepsi. You're, you're just angry because you know that your list kind of sucks. No, my, they made my list different. Your list is basically just Coke, Diet Coke, Coke Zero, Cherry Coke, Vanilla Coke. Not at like, all. Not at all. Dr. Pepper, Mountain Dew, Coke, Pepsi, Cherry Pepsi. They only have one variation. Dr. Pepper, Cherry Pepsi. Whatever. There's three of those are basically the same. I'm sorry that I like a little variety in my life. The only thing that you had on there that is is semi decent is mug root beer. That's not true. Dr Pepper is delicious. And you're going to well, talk shit on that. ginger ale. You have ginger ale, but you don't even have the good ginger ale. You have Schweppes. Which one do you have? Burners. <laughs> that might actually be the better ginger ale. <laughs> Schweppes. I just like saying it. Schweppes. I know you do. It's fantastic. Schweppes. Here, oh, this is the other question. This is the last thing that I wanted to ask you since we've already established that my top five is better. How do you feel about the person at the fountain drink area that fills it up until the very, very brim and does that little like until they get to the very fucking top? I I want to walk over to them and just – swap it away to where like it, it everything goes into the overflow tray and then starts to overflow onto the countertop. Okay. I feel the exact same way. Do you also do that when you get a fountain drink? Not, not at all, actually. I don't, uh, but I, I am one of those people that I'll like fill it up like a halfway or three quarters of the way and I'll drink it real fast and then I'll get another one. Yeah, I do that too. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't even care if there's like a line. I'll do it and then I'll just stand there. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but I'm going no more than like three. I'm not going to sit there and when you're doing it in like microseconds, like that's ridiculous. Get the. I mean, you can't afford to lose this half a cent of soda. I've, some people are frugal, I guess. They just need the. Did you know that the water bear has a metabolism that they can actually shut down and they can essentially live for five years without doing anything? They can be in stasis. And then they can just come back to life when you rehydrate them. Well, that pretty sound that pretty much sounds like me on a daily basis. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this podcast. If you want to connect with us, we're on social media, Profoundly Pointless, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We love hearing from you guys, and we've really, we've started doing these Facebook polls that I think we really have truly found out from a lot of these different social media interactions how dumb and wrong the both of us are, and some of you guys, some of you guys have some really great comments that have either made me made me laugh or at least gotten me to like, huh, 
I'm pretty much completely wrong about that. As we all know, John is basically completely wrong about anything. Pretty much everything he says, you can find something wrong with that. And I think that's why that's why I love the man. Coming up on our next episode, we are going to be talking to one of the strongest men in the world. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.